You are our series, I Love My Church. How many of you would say, I love my church? I love my church. Last week, we started the series off by, by really just clearing up what the church is and what the church is not. We talked about the church is not a, a, a place, it's people. The church is people, right? The church consists of people. The building can burn down, the building can fall down, but the church still lives, Right? We talked about how the church is not built on programs, but it's built on a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the, he's the foundation stone of the church. The Bible says he's the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. And all of the church is built around him. And we talked about that last week. We talked about all kinds of things. And it's been a great series for, so far. And we've had a good response. And, and honestly, it's good sometimes just to clear things up and to put things back into perspective. Amen. It's good. I encourage you to do that. Do that in your personal life. Reevaluate things from time to time. So today I want to talk to you about we're on display. The church, us, the people of God, we're on display. One of the reasons I believe that God built his church through Jesus Christ was to display to the world the wisdom of God. And to display to the world that God loves family. I don't know if you were like me, but when I gave my life to Jesus for the real time, <laughs> I did it when I was 12. I had no clue what I was doing. But when I got into my 20s, I really got serious with God. And when I did, I was like, God, look, let's just make this whole thing easy. Give me 100 acres in the woods with no neighbors, and I won't sin again, and, and everything will be fine until you come back. I never made it. <laughs> he never gave me 100 acres in the woods with no neighbors. It's funny, he always puts me next to neighbors. And then, then what he did from there was he began to plant me into his family. You see, God's a family God. He loves all of his little childrens, right? He loves you and he loves me and he loves us when we come together. I believe he's excited about today. I believe he's, a, he's ecstatic about today. About 130 or 40 believers coming together and just celebrating him and having a time of praise and worship and listening to the word of God and getting encouraged and being able to see one another. Say, hey, you still alive. Yes, I'm still alive. So we're on display for the world to see. God's using us to reach the world. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be in Ephesians today. We'll skip over to Galatians for just a moment, but... We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 and then, and then in chapter 3. Go with me to verse 19. I want to start by showing you a few things about the church. Verse 19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Look at your neighbor and say, good morning, citizen. That was kind of silly, wasn't it? Can't believe you did that. But the, the Bible says in Ephesians that the Gentiles and the Jews 
He's actually speaking to the Gentiles. He's saying to the Gentiles who weren't God's chosen people. Who was God's chosen people? The Jews. The Jews had the promises of Abraham. The Jews had all the specialty from God. If God was ever prejudiced, it was towards the Jews. He was, they were his favorite people. Everything up to the point of Christ was about the Jews. And then now all of a sudden, because of what Christ did on the cross, God appointed Paul to go and preach to the Gentiles. And he's saying to the Gentiles, you're no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens with all of God's holy people. Welcome to the holy family. When you give your life to Jesus, you are brought in, you are adopted, the Bible says, into the family of God and you become children of God. And actually, the Bible says in Romans 8 that you become joint heirs with Christ. Get you some of that. You become a joint heir with Christ. In other words, whatever Christ inherits, you inherit. Whatever is available to Christ is available to you. Now, before you gave your life to Jesus, the Bible says that you were an enemy of God. But because of what Christ did on the cross and through the grave, you can now be brought into being a friend of God. You're no longer a stranger and a foreigner. You're a citizen along with God's holy people. You're members of God's family. Together, we are his house. Look around you. This is the house. You're together in the house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. And the Bible says this, that Christ is the cornerstone of the building. In other words, he's the building that the rest, he's the block that the rest of the building is built from. Built according to. It was the stone that was used to square the building. It was the, it was the stone that was used to set the elevation of the building. It was the chief cornerstone. More work went into the cornerstone than ever went into any other stones. Are you hearing me? So Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. And because of what we read about him in the scriptures and because of our relationship with him, that's how we're supposed to build our lives is from how we know him. Right? So he's the cornerstone, and the Bible says right here that we are being carefully joined together with him. Come on, you're not on your own. You're not out there by yourself. We are being carefully joined together with Christ. Becoming, say becoming. That means you haven't come yet. You're becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part. You're being made. That's a process. You're being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. God is here today by his spirit. Why is he here today by his spirit? Because the building's here. Because this is the dwelling place. It's not brick and mortar. It's flesh, bone, and spirit. Come on, somebody. And he is here by his spirit because he likes to dwell with his people. (laughs) God likes you. 
you might not like you and your spouse might not like you and your kids, they don't like you. But God likes you and he likes to spend time with you. He loves to dwell with you by his spirit. Come on, somebody. So point number one is we're being made apart. Not apart as in separated. We're being made a part. Watch what it says in Ephesians 4.2. So we're being made a part of this body. We're being made a part of the church, of this temple where God's going to dwell by his spirit. But there's some problems. <laughs> Look at your neighbor say, some problems. <laughs> Chapter 4, verse 2. It says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united. How many efforts? Every effort. Every effort to keep yourselves united. You know me long enough to know you can read through my... I ain't going to say it. Binding yourselves together in peace. In other words, peace is the thing that binds us together. Remember, we're, we're the body, we're the temple, we're the dwelling place of the Lord God Almighty by His Spirit. There's something that holds brick together. It's called mortar. It binds us together. You know what binds us together as, as believers is peace. Peace is the thing that binds us together. It keeps us together. Why is peace so important? Because peace keeps us together. Peace keeps us from falling to pieces. Right? If there's one thing you need to fight for in your marriage, is peace. As a man, when I used to work construction, when I would come home, I just wanted peace when I got home. If I got home and there was no peace, nobody's going to be at peace until we get peace. You follow me? Peace is the thing that I go after. Peace is the thing that I try to keep established. Because peace is the thing that binds us together. Remember, we're being made part of something. So the Bible says that we're going to have to be gentle and patient. Let me give you some good news this morning. You're not completely gentle. And you're not completely patient. If you think you are, wait till you leave church. You're not completely humble. You're being made humble. You're being made gentle. You're being made, come on somebody, patient. It would be nice if I could go, I'm patient. Right? It just don't work that way. We're being made patient. People say, man, don't pray for patience. I say, pray for patience. Go ahead and get the, the bad test out the way. Fail them a couple times. Let's get through this thing. Let's get us some patience so we can get, quit being tested with the patience. So here's the thing. Look around you. Look around. Come on, you're going to be a little interactive today. Look around. Do you see anybody in here that looks like you, smells like you, and thinks like you? Do you see anybody in here who has your past experiences, your hurts, your wounds, and even your joy and your celebration? Has anybody in here experienced everything that you've experienced? So we're all different, right? 
I believe God has a sense of humor because he only made one of me. Can I get an amen? You fell right into that one. We're all different. And because we're all different, there's things about each and every one of us that let's just get real this morning, irritate the mess out of us. Come on, religion just left the building. There's some, some of you in here that irritate the mess out of some of you other ones in here. Now, I love everybody. Everybody's fine with me. It's all good. <laughs> and the spirit just left the building. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but be honest. There's different personalities. There's different things. There's different attitudes. People respond to things differently, and it irritates us. And it makes it hard to get close to people sometimes because we're different. But here's the thing. If you understand that the church is the body of Christ, then the body has to like one another. The arm can't hate the other arm. You you just get nothing done, right? So so, so Paul says a little bit later, he says, you're going to have to be humble. You're going to have to be gentle and you're going to have to have patience. And then he says this, and you need to take this home with you. You need to make allowances for other people's faults. You want to know why? Because they're making allowances for yours. <laughs> Come on, somebody. They're making allowances for your faults. You think, man, everybody likes me. No, everybody has a lot of allowance for you. <laughs> I believe the closer people get to me, the more allowance they need. <laughs> Y'all fell into it again. But God wants us to be joined together, to be joined together. You see, if you love Jesus, if you really love Jesus, then you love what Jesus loves. And Jesus loves his church. Jesus gave his life for his church. Jesus spent three and a half years with some funky, stinky men, discipling them to build his church knowing that one day he was going to have to leave and trust these men to build his church. And the ruthless, toothless woman of them all was the one who stood up on the first day of the day of Pentecost and preached, and 3,000 stones were added to the building that day. You see, it doesn't matter what your past is. It matters what you believe about your future. It matters who you believe for your future. Peter blew it. If anybody can blow it, Peter blew it. Jesus restored him and used him again. We've all blown it, and he's going to use us, restore us, and use us again. Amen? Only the enemy wants you to stay down. Jesus is there to lift you back up. That's why he gave you the promise in 1 John that if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And not only that, but to cleanse all that junk off of you. If you feel dirty, it's not because Jesus hasn't done his part. Uh Uh-oh. If you still feel dirty, it's because you believe you're still dirty. Or maybe you didn't do your due diligence and confess your sins to Jesus and trust him to forgive you and cleanse you. You see, there's no fault in Christ. Christ has done everything that he's supposed to do. If there's anything lacking, it's on our part. Christ never falls short. He never stumbles and he never not shows up. 
Amen? So number one, we're being made a part. A part of this temple. A, bar, a part of this house. A part of this body. We're being made a part. It's a process. Let him get busy about the process. Learn how to let go of your, your stuff. Learn how to get along with people. Let me show you something the Lord showed me as I was preparing for this. There's some of you in here that you've got one foot in the door of the church and the other foot still out. You know why? Because you're not sure about his church yet. But there's something there that makes you want to peek in. And so you kind of go look, you look into the church and you become a, a part. You give your life to Jesus and you kind of go, yeah, this is pretty cool. But you know what? I just I can't let go of this door because it might shut behind me. And I'm just not sure about these folks. You ever walk into a deep freezer at a restaurant? I used to work at Outback. I'd clean the grease trap and they'd make me a, a chocolate thunder from down under and put it in the freezer. I cleaned the mess out of a grease trap. just want to tell you something. So they would stick it in the freezer. And while I was supposed to be working, I finished cleaning up the grease trap. And I go walk around. I go to the, to the walk-in freezer and I open it. And the first time I opened it, I walked in and they had it sitting right there in the middle. And the lights were shining on it just right. And I heard the angels going, and there was a spoon, not a small spoon, but a big spoon. And it was heaping with brownies that were heated and ice cream and chocolate syrup. And I walked in and I didn't even think about the door and the door slept. They don't put handles on the inside because there's no reason to come out. So I sat there and I ate my chocolate thunder from down under. And I was locked in. Now, it was good for a while because I was full and happy. But after a little while, it got cold. And I had to begin to bang on the door. Some of you are scared to go into the church wholeheartedly because you're just not sure yet. You've been hurt. You've been wounded. You've been mistrusted. You've been talked about. People have slandered you. People have hurt you. They've done things to you. And because of that, that's keeping you from coming into the house of God wholeheartedly. But because you're afraid to come in wholeheartedly, you're missing out on what God has for you. You don't get to enjoy the fullness of the body of Christ because you're still unsure. You just don't know. Or maybe it's because you just don't like some of the people. Oh, they irritate. Oh, I hope they don't hug my neck. Oh, I hope she don't talk to me. Oh, look, she's coming down this way. I'm going to go that way. Oh. When you see them at Walmart, you hit the other aisle. Oh, I don't want to talk to them. They give me the heebie-jeebies. I wonder who you giving the heebie-jeebies to. Here's the reality. We're going to spend eternity together. We better learn how to get along now. I'm just being real with you this morning. I just got to be honest. The Lord told me to say that. And that's for some of y'all in here. The Holy Ghost dealing with you right now. Because this is what he wants for you. He wants you all in. All in. 
all in. But, 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 Lord, but, 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 Lord, what, 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 what about, what if I did, what if Pastor Jamie hurts me? What, 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 what about this? You know what he's saying to you this morning? Are you going to trust me? Don't trust Pastor Jamie. Trust me. Trust me. He's not going to hurt you. He's not going to let you down. And he's not going to say something stupid. Amen? So number two, we share in God's riches. Come on, somebody. Point one was real good, but point two is getting even better. We share in God's riches. Watch this in chapter 3, verse 6. It says, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the rich in, in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of the blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Here's the thing. You got to see this. The Jews despised the Gentiles. They were uncircumcised, dirty, nasty people, dogs of the earth. But in God's house, he brings us all together. And he does. He has no favorites. We all get to share in his riches in the riches of his blessings. So that means that a Jew's no better than you. That means you can be unemployed and be just as qualified and just as good as somebody who's making millions. God's economy doesn't work the way we think it works. He takes the people that are hurt and broken and brings them into his family with those that are healed and delivered. And he shares his riches with us. I want to tell you something today. I believe there's a corporate anointing that comes when the church gets together. I believe there's a corporate blessing that we can only achieve or accomplish or receive when we come together. And I'm here to tell you today that as the church learns how to get together and learns how to become one member, one part, one family, that we're going to see blessings we never thought we would see before. Corporately, together. I believe there's going to be miracle signs and wonders like we've never seen before. Together. Remember, we're being made apart. We're becoming the place for God's dwelling. And as we become... And as we're being made part and we let God do his work in us and we learn how to love one another and get along with one another and pray for one another and have each other's good interest in mind. I believe the anointing of God is going to pour out on this church like we've never seen before. I believe the blessings are going to flow like we didn't even know they could flow. But it's going to be together. It's going to be together. I've heard a lot of wise men say that everything you need is in the house. Every relationship you need is in the house. Everything you need is in the house. Everything, every resource, every provision, every everything to set you free or to unlock something is in the house. And it comes through this corporate blessing that we get to share in together. So we get to share with one another God's riches. Thank you, Travis. He believed me. Rochelle is still working on it. Go with me to Galatians chapter 3 real quick. 3 verse 29. I want to show you something. I'm going to give you a little bit of homework real quick. 3 29. 
talking about blessings and the riches. Verse 29, it says, And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. Get this, and you need to highlight this, put some eyebrows over it, and underline it. God's promises to Abraham belongs to you. You see, I don't know if you came to church today knowing that you got some promises that belong to you or not, but I'm here to tell you today, you got some promises of God that belong to you that he gave to Abraham that now because of what Christ has done and now that you can become a part of God's family, they now belong to you. Promises. God's promises are yes and amen. His promises always come to pass. He keeps his word. He doesn't back out of his word. He's a man of his word. And when he gives a promise, he fulfills it. Just like he did with Abraham. So my challenge to you, because we don't have time this morning, is to go into Genesis and find out what those promises are and start to claim them over your life. I'll say it again. My challenge to you is when you get home today, go into Genesis, find out what God promised to Abraham and claim it for you, for your family and walk in that. And when things don't look like things don't line up with the promises that you've been given, you start to tell them to line up. When, when life starts to get away from the promise, you start looking and you say, no, 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 no. God promised that I was going to have this. You better line back up. Come on, somebody. This is your responsibility. You walk in the promises. You claim the promises. You live in those promises. And you don't let anybody take them from you. And don't let the devil make you believe you don't have them anymore. Number three, we are to to display God's wisdom. Ephesians chapter 3, go back to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. God is using us to display his wisdom in the heavenly places, in the spiritual realm, however you want to say it. He's using us, the church, to prove his wisdom, to display it, to put it on display. I believe he's using it, using us to display his wisdom to the lost people in this world. My question is, is how does he do that? How does God display his wisdom through you? He displays his wisdom to a lost and dying world through you by the way you act, by the way you live, by the way you react, by the way you speak, whether or not you're all in, You see, you can't get people to believe in Jesus and come to church when you ain't here. 
That's like getting somebody to go eat at McDonald's and you don't really like it. He displays his wisdom through us by how we lead and by how we follow. He displays it by how we worship, what we tolerate or don't tolerate, how we compromise or don't compromise. He displays it through our faith. He displays it through our response to failure. And he displays it by how we love one another. If you don't like God's people, I got a feeling you don't like God very much. That's a hard pill to swallow. But it's the truth. He wants to display his wisdom through us. You've heard me say this. You've heard all of us say this. There's four gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I say there's five. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. The world's not reading the first four, but they're definitely reading you. And, and, and believe it or not, they're reading the mess out of you. You're, you're on the bestsellers list. They're watching you like a hawk. The day you declared, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's been a target on your back. And there's been an audience to watch you. And, buddy, they're watching and they're taking notes. They want to see if this God is real in your life before they make a decision for their life. That's why you can give a testimony about what God has done. And it can do more damage in somebody's soul in a good way than if they went and sat in at a church service. I've seen more people wowed by God through financial testimonies than through any other bit of scripture I've ever given them. Why is that? People love money. And they hate to be without it. Right? The world's dying to see God in you. The world's dying to see the wisdom of God in you because you see, this is, this is the wisdom of God that he takes a, a broke down brother like me and turns me from my wicked ways and my filth and my rags and he turns me into what you see today. I'm here to tell you, I'm not who I was 20 years ago. Amen. I was ruthless, toothless, perverted, nasty, and so on and so on. The wisdom of God says that if a man comes to Christ, he gets everything that he needs. The world's wisdom says if a man works hard and becomes diligent and cheats and steals and cuts corners, he'll have everything he needs. But it's proven itself to be false. Because you burn out before you get there. God will take somebody dumb as a brick and make them wise out of this world. And, and, and leave people... In the dust, scratching their heads, going, Man, what happened to T Boy? I know his mom and them. That boy ain't supposed to be doing that good. What happened to that girl? You know, she was a hoe. <laughs> but look at her now. She used to dress like a hoe, walk like a hoe, talk like a hoe. I know that makes you uncomfortable. You ought to be up here saying it. 
But God delivered her. She's a daughter now. She's a princess now. That's the wisdom of God because only God can do that. She couldn't do it on her own. She tried. He used to be addicted. That boy snorted everything he could snort, did everything he could do. I want to show you something. I'm going to show you the wisdom of God and the power of God. Come see. You too. You and Jamie and Sam, come here. I love this. You get to see their faces. I know you're going to kill me. It's all right. I'll go see Jesus. Quickly give me your testimony. Give us your testimony about how you were kicked out. How you were kicked out, where you guys were at. Strung out on drugs. Yeah. Got kicked out of the city. And cocaine and everything else. He was telling me this week that, that they would walk the streets through some of the worst streets in Eunice. Sometimes they'd have to run around the corner to just keep themselves safe to go find the drugs that they were looking for. You want to see the power of God? You see the power of God right here. That's the wisdom of God. And Sam will tell you, Jamie will tell you, financially they are where they are because of God. I love to hear their testimonies. They're both successful business people in Eunice. Praise God. Praise God. He turned their lives around. Thank you so much. See, that was painless. Wasn't too bad, right? Proud of you. Do you see that? You see how God works? You see how much he loves us? He takes us from the gutters and brings us into his house and makes us a part of his family. only that he lets us share in his riches I wonder I wonder if demons and unsaved people or even saved people are scratching their heads about you I wonder if they're sitting there going now how'd that happen I wonder if they're saying you're lucky. I wonder if they're scratching their heads. Man, how they I hope the demons are saying about me, dang, you didn't see that one coming. He loves Bluebell. How in the heck he said no? 
I wonder if they're scratching their heads. I wonder if anybody's in awe of what God's doing in my life because some people are watching. And they need to see a living, breathing God inside of me. They need to see me different tomorrow than I was today. They need to see my old cursed tongue quit cussing and start breathing life. They need to see me be positive and not negative. They need to see me repent. Paul, y'all didn't amen that one, did you? They need to go, they need to see me go and say, I'm sorry to somebody that I hurt. They need to see when all hell breaks loose against me how I stand and why I stand. There's power in the family, there's power in being part of the family, and we're on display. To give God attention. It's not just what you say. It's what you live. So all this is happening. All this is going on, Paul saying. And you're no longer strangers and foreigners. You're now being made a part of this dwelling where God dwells by his spirit. We get to share in the riches of God. That means when the world falls apart, you're going to have what you need and more. And then number three, we get to be on display for God's wisdom. And watch what he says with number four. We can come boldly into God's presence. You see, I believe the church has a bold problem today, a boldness problem. And I want to show it to you in Ephesians 3 verse 12. And I'm going to wrap it up with this one sometime or another. Ephesians 3 12. It says, because of what Christ and our faith in him, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. There's two reasons you can come boldly into God's presence. The first reason is because of what Christ did. The second reason is because of your faith in him. Those are the two reasons that give you access to God's presence with boldness and confidence. In other words, you don't have to come like a meek little sheep, like a a low as me. You don't have to crawl up to the presence of God and hope that he lets you in. You don't have to come to God like a whipped puppy. That means you can come into his presence with boldness and confidence because of what Christ has done and because of your faith in him. So here's the deal. If the church or even if you has a boldness and confidence problem, then chances are you got a faith problem because you don't have a Christ problem because Christ already did what he needed to do and it'll never be changed. You got a faith problem. In other words, you let the devil shanghai your faith. You let him beat you down to the point where you barely had any faith and you thought you were ruthless and toothless again. He reminds you of your past. And if you listen to that junk long enough, you'll start believing it again. But let me tell you something. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. You're not the same old Joe you used to be. You've been washed by the blood. You've been made righteous. You've been sanctified. When the devil or anybody else tries to bring you down, you need to tell him where to go. With some boldness and some confidence. 
How can we come into his presence with boldness and confidence? Because we believe that what he did was accomplished. We believe that his word is true, that I'm now a child of God. When there's an issue, I come into the presence. Lord, I need some help. Lord, deliver me from this temptation. Lord, I claim your promises. Lord, I claim your healing. I claim your deliverance. Lord, I bring my children before you because I'm about to kill them. You come boldly. Be real with God. He knows you're about to kill him anyway. He probably got a couple angels there just in case you try something. But we're called to come boldly. It's been given to us. It's our right to come into his presence with boldness and confidence. Not like a whip puppy. I know you get beat down all week long. I get beat down all week long. The enemy don't like me, and I'm glad he don't like me. That means I'm doing something right. The devil likes me. I did something wrong. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Where are you at today? You got some boldness and some confidence? Can you walk up into God's room like your kids walk up into your room when they need something? No, seriously. I could be in the holy of holies in my dining room, kneeling down before the very presence of God. And if my kids want a popsicle, they'll kick the old screeching door over. Hey, Dad, can I have a popsicle? Holy of holies here. Dad, can I go outside? She's laughing because we had this yesterday. She couldn't sit on the floor without asking her dad. I'm like, dear goodness, can you make a decision today? I said, sit down. Where? Right there. Like, make a decision. You've been given the right to come into God's presence with boldness and confidence. If you're not, it's because you've got a faith problem. If you don't, it's because you're beat down and you've lost your faith. The only issue with your boldness and your confidence is your faith. It's a faith issue. You want to know how to fix that? Get up into God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need more faith? Read more God. Read more word. Get up in the presence. Get up in his word. You can't not read your Bible and expect to have faith. You cannot read your Bible and expect to have faith. You can't come to church on Sunday and get this mouthful that I'm giving you and think it's going to last till the next Sunday. Trust me, I tried. It don't work. Ain't a preacher that good on the planet. You need to get up in the word. You need to pray. You need to walk in this boldness and authority that you've been given. You're God's gift to the planet. Stop believing the opposite. You're God's solution to the problem. 
You know why? Because you got Christ living on the inside. Everywhere you go, you bring the church with you. You are the church. Your job has a church at it. We planted a church at your job when you gave your life to Jesus. We planted a church at the grocery store you shop in when you gave your life to Jesus. You are the church, and everywhere you go, you bring it with you. You bring life. You bring hope. You bring peace. I'll never forget one time I walked into this room. A friend of mine, a brother in Christ, was dying of brain cancer. My, my business partner and I were going to pray for him, and he was suffering bad. I mean, he was just suffering bad. Laying on the sofa, just groaning and moaning. And, I mean, honestly, it was depressing. And me and my business partner, it was about a 20-minute ride to get to his house, and we just prayed up in the Holy Ghost. We prayed in the Spirit. We got after. We, we, we had boldness and confidence. We got out of the truck like we was about to get into a fist fight. I mean, the, the adrenaline was pumping. And we walked into that house, and, and when I walked in, I saw him, and he was just squirming on the sofa. He couldn't get comfortable. He was, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. Oh. Walked in, hugged his wife, and sat down next to him, and peace came. He stopped squirming. He stopped hurting. He stopped moaning. You know why? Because the church showed up. God's anointed showed up. It's not me. It's we. Come on, somebody. There's an anointing for all of us. And when you go somewhere, the atmosphere needs to change. You're the answer, not the problem. Man, I don't know how else to say this. You got to get this. I mean, seriously, the church needs to be bold today more than ever. <laughs> Miss Mary shared a story this morning at prayer meeting. <laughs> Lord, I pray when I get to be Miss Mary's age. I got all the fire that she has. Her and Miss Cricket were on one of their rendezvous, their rodeos, and they were coming back from somewhere, and they were on the highway in Miss Cricket's car, and thank God Miss Mary can't drive anymore. But Come on, Rose. I got a witness on that one. Miss Mary, Miss Cricket are riding, and they got a grandson in the, in the car, and the weather gets bad. Like so bad, people are pulling off the road. And they pull off the road, and this boldness rises up in Miss Mary. And she looks at Cricket, she said, turn that radio off. I command the rain to stop, she said. I command it to stop, to cease in the name of Jesus. And two minutes later, it stopped, and they got on the road, and they started driving. And she told us this story this morning. I go, wow, Miss Mary, that's good. She says, oh, baby, all you got to do is just flip the switch. flip the switch miss mary you see when you've lived that long and you walked with god that long you realize it's just flipping a switch and you know where the switch is the switch is right here come on you that crazy you gonna talk to the weather instead of getting mad at the weather man Come on, worship team. 
easy, easy. Walking like a. Boldness and confidence. You can come into the presence of God with boldness and confidence. Boldness, because you can just walk right in at any time. Confident, because you belong there. And you know that you belong there. That you've been given the God-given right to be there. He gave you the right to be in his presence. He gives you permission to come into his presence. He gives you the authority to walk in with boldness and confidence. His word even gives you the faith to get there. Come on, somebody. He might want you there. Right? He might want you there. He might want you in his presence. Why? Because that's where you need to be. You can't fight a spiritual battle with flesh weapons. You come into the presence of God by the Spirit. And you receive all the spiritual weapons you need to fight the battles you're going to fight. And to overcome the temptations you're going to face. I wonder what life would be like if the church would become the church. And come boldly into the presence of God. I wonder what could happen if we would do that. For some of you today, I wonder what would happen if you would take your foot out of that door jam and step all the way up into God's family and say, Lord, I'm scared to death, but I trust you. If that's you this morning, I want all of you to stand up. Stand up with me right now.